Hello and welcome to Connect Points podcast and sermon archives. If you'd like to learn more about our church, please go online to our website at connectpointupc.com or follow us on our Facebook page. Thank you very much and I hope you enjoy this week's message. God bless. Pastor, thank you for the warm applause. <laughs> no, that's fine. Not a problem at all. We're, we're excited every time that we get to do these series, and it might seem a little, uh, I don't know. I don't know what the right word is or what the right feeling is, but sometimes when we talk about money, it just gets like, eh, eh. you start getting the... Well, I don't know what you call it here. We used to call it the heebie-jeebies. But yeah, the heebie-jeebies. Uh, but that's all right, because what we need to understand and what we need to realize, no matter what we title the series, no matter what we, we title this, this topic and this discussion, at the end of the day, what we're working with is God's money. What we're trying to do is learn how we can best steward God's gifts to us. And when we talk about being a steward and we talk about handling the things that God gives us, it goes so much more beyond just dollars and cents. Uh, matter of fact, when we talk about stewardship and being a manager, really, of what God has bestowed upon us, we understand it's more than just our money. It's more than just our pocketbook. It's more than just our bank account. I believe stewardship, we're called to be stewards of our time our talents, and our treasure. Our time, our talents, and our treasure. So it goes beyond just our dollars and cents. But tonight we're specifically talking about uh, money, about giving, about offerings. Last week we had an opportunity to hear Brother Brom talk about tithings. And today we're going to talk about offerings. And I like the title of this because generous, the meaning, the mindset, and the method. It's generous. And if we take that concept, we can really apply that to all of those areas. We could be generous with our time, could be generous with our talents, and we could be generous with our treasure. So without any more ado, let's go ahead and jump in, looking at how God is calling us to, um, to manage our, our finances, to manage our offerings. Um, so we, we talked last week, obviously, about tithing. We noticed uh, there was a strong use of the word willingly when we connect it to giving. We want to give willingly. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 through 8, they put that on the screen. It says, every man, uh, I'm sorry, but this I say, he which sows sparingly shall also reap sparingly, and he which sows bountifully shall also reap bountifully. Every man according as he's purposed in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or out of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that you always, having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. So it says, every man as he purposes in his heart. This should be our, our desire, our plan. Nothing that we do should be done grudgingly. When it, comes to, when it comes to the house of God, when it comes to doing things for the Lord, when it comes to uh, ministry or servanthood. Now, I'd be lying to you if I, I said that I've never done anything grudgingly. <laughs> but that's not the, the way that it should be done. Our mindset shouldn't be, ugh, got to go to church again. 
Ugh, gotta teach again. Ugh, gotta give it an offering again. Ugh, gotta go play a, another instrument. Ugh, gotta teach a Sunday school class. If that's the mindset, if that's the mentality, then we need a, a, a refresh. We need a refresh of our spirit, of our mindset, our methods, right? The meaning behind it. If that's the mindset, then we've missed the meaning, okay? So the, the lifestyle of generosity is important for us to get, get a hold of when we're, talking about, uh, when we're talking about the Lord, when we're talking about living generously, when we're talking about our finances. Um, the first thing that we need to realize anytime that we're talking about this is remember that, and we alluded to this already as stewards, but remember that everything that we have, God had it first, right? Everything that we have, it was God's first. We don't have anything without God saying, okay, you can. Yeah, well, I worked for that money. I've got, I've got 40 hours this week that, that prove that this is my money. Well, if you want to go ahead and have that argument with God, you might not have a job. I, <laughs> the Lord works in mysterious ways, right? But the, uh, the mindset, the mentality, the understanding that everything that we have is but by the grace of God. Yeah. Everything that we have is but by the grace of God. And that really helps us adjust our thinking to uh, not so much a mind, 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 mind mentality, but a, uh, God, what do you want me to do with what you've given me? Right. Amen? Amen. Let's look at Deuteronomy chapter 8. We read verses 17 and 18. It says, And you say in your heart... My power and the might of mine hand hath gotten me this wealth. That's that punch in the clock, right? My 40 hours got me this wealth. But you should remember the Lord your God, for it's he that gives thee power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant, which he swear unto thy fathers as it is this day. It's he that giveth you the power to get wealth. This biblical principles here. We were, thought we were joking about it a minute ago, but the Bible tells us, God, without God, you don't even have the power to get wealth. And we don't need to go through all the different uh, potential ways that we could lose our ability to gain wealth. But suffice to say, if it wasn't for God, I don't want to be, I don't want to answer that question of if it wasn't for God, right? So understanding that, first off, it's his. Second off, the only reason I have an opportunity to ever touch money is because God has given it to me. Right? And every money that I ever will touch is because God allowed me to touch that. So then I need to understand that this is my responsibility. This, this finance is my responsibility. This bank account is my responsibility. The, if you want to say it this way, your net worth is your responsibility. How are you going to handle that when it comes to the kingdom of God? Are we going to be generous with that? Or are we going to hoard that? Are we going to be Scrooge McDuck, or are we going to live the way that God has called us to live, right? Amen. Amen. Last week, we looked at the issue of tithing and understanding that giving the 10% of our increase to the kingdom of God is not an option, but rather an instruction from Scripture. Giving the first fruit or the first 10% before we give anything else. But today, we're going to talk about offerings or about biblical giving. Um, Malachi chapter 3 Verses 8 through 11, this is very popular when we talk about tithings and offerings. It says, will man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, where have I robbed you? In tithes and in offerings. 
You're cursed with a curse because you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring all the tithe into the storehouse that there may be meat in my house and prove me now herewith, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that there shall not be room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, and he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground, neither shall your vine cast her fruit before the time in the field, says the Lord of hosts. I like the promises that are in the word of God, amen? He says he'll rebuke the devourer for our sake. He says he'll pour out blessings so much that our storehouses can't contain it. If you understand anything about the agricultural uh, time period in the Bible days or even about today, you create a storehouse because you're expecting a yield. Here you might call it a grain bin. Farmers put up these big grain bins expecting that they're going to fill them. Now, if a farmer has, I don't know anything about farming, so I don't know what the units of measure are here to tell you, but if a farmer has a grain bin that's me big, and he's got 40 acres of field, does he have enough room to contain his harvest? No, he doesn't. I appreciate you. <laughs> I opened myself up there. <laughs> Woo! But the reason that a storehouse is created is because you're expecting a harvest, right? We're expecting a harvest. We're expecting a return on the work that we've put in, on our investments. As a man sows, so shall he also reap. So we're expecting these things. And what God is telling us through the book of Malachi here is when you're faithful to him in your tithings and in your offerings, when you're not committing robbery to God, because what we're really doing when we're not giving of our tithes and offerings is we're saying, I know what I have need of, and I'm going to supply my own needs. What we're doing when we put it in God's hands is saying, I know what I have need of, but I know that God is more able to handle my needs than I am. So we're not just saying, oh, well, you know, I'm looking at the bills, I'm looking at what's coming in and what's going out, and I don't know if I can make tithes work, and I don't know if I can make offerings work, because that mindset says, I've got to provide for my own needs. The mindset that says, my first fruits are already set aside. They're already dedicated. They're off the top, that doesn't even count as my income because that's already going back to God. And then even above and beyond that, my offering, I'm giving offering to God. I'm giving it back to him. And when I've got that built in, the important things in life, when I build those in first, there's always room for the rest. There's always room for the rest. And what that's doing is saying, God, I see what the balance sheet says, but I also see what your word says, and right now I'm willing to put my faith in you that you'll honor your word, you'll be faithful to your word, and you will provide my needs. And he doesn't just say that if you're faithful in your tithes and offerings that he'll meet your needs. What does he say? He says he'll exceed your needs, right? So your presses, your, your, I mean, your, your, your storehouses won't even be able to contain, and not only that your storehouses won't even be able to contain, but it also provides a protection, a provision of protection over your future. 
where he said the devourer will be rebuked in my name. So when we're talking about things that would kill off your crop, like locusts, like, like parasites, like, like wildlife, like anything that would come in that would kill off the crop and hurt your yield in the future, he would call those devourers. And God's saying, if you put me first, if you honor me, I will not only provide your needs, but I will protect you from what would try and come against you in the future. Amen? So there's a certain power in understanding and believing that when God says something, he'll honor it. So we'll look at uh, the idea of an offering. The, the, the kind of the root of that word, if you trace it back, is just simply this. It's a present that's offered up in sacrifice. Kind of like what it sounds like, like we're offering something to God. And there's three things that will limit people from meeting our criteria of giving. There's three things that typically will do this. First is knowledge. We just don't know that we're supposed to, so we don't do it. Second is faith. We don't believe it. I don't believe that God will actually do what he says he will, so I take care of me first and then see if there's anything left over. And then the third is obedience. That's the worst one. <laughs> because obedience says, I know it, I believe it, I'm just not gonna do it. And if you're a parent, you understand how frustrating disobedience is. Amen. amen. I know there's more people that wanted to shout out amen. I wanted to put the mic down and take a lap. But, you know, when your kids do something that they don't know any better, like you can get upset, you can get frustrated, you can get like, you should know better. But they don't, and so grace comes in, right, and you have to understand, okay, well, this is a teaching moment. When your kids maybe, uh, you know, they're, they're smarter than everyone else, right? They get to this certain age and, and they just, you know, whatever you say, the opposite of that is what's really true. They don't believe what you're telling them, whether that's a consequence, whether that's uh, the way that this is, is situation is going to play out. Your kids, they just don't believe that when you say you shouldn't do that, they shouldn't do that. And, and that's, you know, you can work through that one too. But the Outright disobedience, like that one just, I need help. You can talk to me about parenting later, but uh, when they know better and they know exactly what's gonna happen and they know the consequences and they know what you've told them and they know exactly if their brother or sister did X, Y, Z, they'd be all over it. But when they do it, it's just outright disobedience and that frustrates me as a parent. I'm sorry if I'm too transparent. I'm not even actually that sorry. I'm transparent about that. And you know what? Uh, a few amens around there, maybe because of the transparency or maybe because you feel what I'm saying. But at the end of the day, if that's how I feel when my kids just outright disobey, you got to stop and think. Obviously, I'm not God and we can all be thankful for that. But you got to stop and think, what does God think when he's looking down and saying, okay, you know it. You believe it. I've shown it to you before, and you're just choosing to not do it. Disobedience frustrates me in the flesh, so I've got to imagine disobedience frustrates God in the spirit. Now, he's got a lot more mercy and grace than, than I do, and I'm thankful for that because I've been on the needing end of that, like, I don't know, basically every day of my life. <laughs> but for, for some reason... We get to, to this, I don't know if you want to call it a double standard or what, where, where it's something that we don't like personally, but we don't have any problem doing ourselves, and, and that we got to really check ourselves when we get there. Amen. 
So the good news, though, with these three issues, knowledge, faith, and obedience, is every one of them is fixable. Every one of them is treatable. The knowledge part, we're taking care of that right now. We're, we've got this whole month that we're talking about different ways with, with tithings, with offerings, with sacrificial offerings, with, with uh, financial responsibility. We're talking about all these things, and God is helping us grow in that knowledge. And with faith, faith can be, uh, faith is what? It's the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Really, the only way to actually have your faith grow is to test your faith. Okay, so when we say things like honor God with your tithes and offerings and he'll pour out his blessings on you, the only way that you can personally uh, grow your faith in that is to see it happen in your life or see it happen in someone else's life that, that you're close to. Well, when you see God pour out blessings, when you see God provide in ways that make no sense, you, you all of a sudden start to have your faith built. You all of a sudden start to realize that, you know what, maybe Maybe God does honor his word. Maybe God does do what he says he'll do. Um, but the best thing, uh, I'm wrestling right now with uh, what to share and what not to share. And I think I'm just going to move on. All right. The best thing for us to do to understand and to realize is that, yes, this is God's money. And the best way for us to have this approach when we get into the discussion of offering is to let, let it be settled within you before you're even put in the situation. Now, this goes for really every area of your life. If, you're, if you've got issues with dealing with temptation, if you're uh, dealing with um, certain circumstances, you can't wait until you're in crunch time to decide what you're going to do. If you wait till you're in the moment to decide how you're going to respond your fleshly failure rate just skyrockets. But if you've got it determined in your mind that this is who I am, this is where my line is, this is what I will do, this is what I won't do, this is how I operate in my finances, this is how I operate in my faithfulness to the Lord, and then it doesn't even have to become a question when we see uh, an offering plate being passed or when we see a need or we see somebody else... Uh, in, in need or somebody else that, that another GoFundMe comes up or another this thing happens or another uh, need across the state, whatever it is, we don't have to be like, oh, well, I don't know if I'm really feeling it this time. We understand that I'm a generous giver because as the Lord generously gives to me, I want to generously give back so that I've got room to receive again from the Lord. Amen. Amen. Have it set up in your mind. Have it set up in your heart before you get it. There's a saying, if you have to have, uh, I think, uh, uh, I almost called him brother. If, uh, Pastor Robert Morris, we did his videos several times. I think it was him that said it, but if you have to have a mental debate every time the offering plate comes by, you're setting yourself up for failure. And you're setting yourself up to be pretty miserable. Be like, eh, every time there's an offering, every time there's a faith promise service, every time there's a mission service, every time there's an a, a evangelist or anything like this that we might have an opportunity to give and we have to wrestle with ourselves every single time, we're going to be pretty miserable. And here's why, just from a fleshly standpoint. From a fleshly standpoint, we are um, emotionally... Uh, susceptible people as humans, right? You can, uh, 
You can say, like, right here, right now, like, I don't ever want to go to a third world country to be a missionary. Never want to do it. But then the missionary comes and he starts showing the slideshows and he starts showing the revival and all you. I need to go to Africa. <laughs> Whatever, whatever's presented all of a sudden makes me feel like it, it, play, it not plays with my emotions, but it can affect my emotions. So what that means is that then I am in a place where I am wanting to pour out of myself. At that moment, I'm wanting to be generous. When the offering plate comes by, I'm wanting to be generous. But if I haven't determined it, if I haven't planned it out, if I haven't budgeted it, you can use the word budget in church, right? If I haven't budgeted uh, a giving uh, part of my, my life, if I haven't budgeted giving into my life, then I'm either unable to give or I'm putting myself in a position of having to uh, not meet a duty, not meet a need. Like, oh, I really want to give, but I also got to buy groceries. Well, that's why we budget these things. That's why we plan these out. And that's what I'm saying about determining in your heart that I'm going to be a giver means that I've determined in my budget that I've got space to give. Because if I've got a, a, a decision to make, but I don't have the finances to back it up, then that puts me in a tough spot. What choice do I make? I, I can't answer that for you because... I don't know what your situation is, but what I can tell you is if you've already determined who you are, you don't have to have that fight. You don't have to have that wrestling match within yourself between your spirit and your flesh. Now, here's the concept that, that we have to understand when we're talking about living generously. We're talking about living with open hands, open hands as opposed to clenched fists, right? Now, I don't have a dollar bill, I don't think, hang on. Nope, no dollars. All right, completely broke. I, I know. That's funny. Do you have a dollar? Okay. <laughs> wow. All right. Uh, yeah, let me see that dollar, brother. Thank you. This is improv. <laughs> yeah, one's fine. One's fine. All right, so. All right, I've got this dollar here. Now, Brother Kermis, when he just handed me this dollar, he just kind of handed it to me like this. Now, He's a strong dude. I think I'm, I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb here. I think I might be a little bit stronger than Tara. Would you? Maybe a little bit. All right. Now, I want to show you what the difference is in living with an open hand and living with a closed hand. Tara, I really want you to have this dollar, okay? What's the matter? All right. I wanted her to have it. I mean, I really did. I wanted to give. I wanted to give to God, but, you know, I had to make sure that I got it taken care of. I had to make sure that everything's taken. When I've got a closed fist mentality and it's hard to pull every dollar out of my hand, it's hard to pull every bit. Well, this is mine. I earned this. Do you know how much I had to do to earn this dollar? Do you have any idea? Like, if we break this down by hour, don't ever make the mistake of breaking your expenditures or your offerings down by how many hours you have to work to make up for it. You'll, it just, it, yeah, you'll cry. Because when you realize that that meal you just ate costed you 45 minutes of work, now the next 45 minutes that you're at work and you're feeling miserable because you ate too much, you're like, oh, I shouldn't have done that. Now I got all this work. And you're resenting that next 40. Don't calculate your time 
based on your, your dollars and cents. But what we wanna do is we wanna say, you know what, God, if you're gonna call me to give, you're not gonna have to pry it out of my hand. I'm just gonna give willingly. That's Brother Kermis's, so you're not stealing it from me. <laughs> I'm just gonna give willingly, right? Because the, the call is for us to, to give, to not rob God in our tithes and offerings. And so if, if God has to make you listen, that's uncomfortable. Parents, you ever had to make your children listen? That's uncomfortable for both of us. <laughs> but as kids, who's ever been a kid before? <laughs> yeah, all of us. As kids, we realize we've got an option. We can either listen and do it right the first time or we can fight the consequences. I don't know what your consequences were, I know what my consequences were, and a lot of times I made the choice to not have those consequences. A lot of times I made the choice thinking I wouldn't get caught, but that's neither here nor there. But what we're, what we're getting across is that when our heart, when our mind, when our spirit is that of willingness to be yielded to God, what are you calling me to do? What are you telling me to do? And we look at scripture and see that he's calling us to be faithful in our tithes and offerings, to not rob him by withholding from him tithes and offerings, then we realize and understand that this is part of who we are as Christians, to willingly give of our tithe and offering. It's not the same thing. Can't say, oh, I already did my 10%, I'm done. No, that's not what God says. That's not what he says. So we need to understand and realize that if we can live with an open hand, we're going to have a much better life. If we're trying to live with that closed hand, I promise you this, you'll get frustrated with yourself and you'll get frustrated with God because God is not gonna change his mind for you. I'm sorry if that deflated anybody's ego in the house today. God does not change his mind for you. You're not that important. I'm not that important. I'll even tell it to you while he's sitting here. Pastor's not even that important. And you know what? I wouldn't even want to serve a God who changes his mind for this person and that person and the other person. If I can't believe and trust that God is faithful to his word and that he will do what he says he will do and that he will honor what he says he will honor and that he will uh, reward what he says he'll reward and he'll condemn what he says he'll condemn, if I can't have faith and believe in him and trust in him, then who am I serving and why am I serving him? But if I can point to God and say he's faithful, he's just, he'll do what he said he's going to do, then I understand that that lifts my faith in every single area. Amen? Amen. So God is going to continue to push us. He's going to continue to encourage us to do the right thing. Why? Because he's greedy? No, because he wants what's best for you. He wants what's best for you. Just like as parents or, or leaders or people that have influence over somebody and you know the choices, this choice will help you, this choice will hurt you, and you're sitting back and watching somebody make the choice that's going to hurt them continually, that hurts your heart. You want them to just say, look, you know, I've told you, here it is again, I'll tell you again, this is the right choice, this is the best choice, this is the blessed choice right here. 
Here it is. I want what's best for you. And that's what God is going to continually to push us towards. Luke 6.38 reminds us. It says, give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over shall men give into your bosoms. For with the same measure that you meet with all, it shall be measured unto you again. However we give, that's how we receive. What does it look like to be good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over? Anybody ever eaten at Chipotle? Zero people. Okay, one person. If nobody's ever been to Chipotle, it's really going to kill the illustration here. All right. Well, if you haven't, apparently nobody's been there, so I gotta explain it to you. When you go to Chipotle, you get to choose between like a burrito or a bowl, and then they give you all these different options that they can put in it, little pieces of heaven that they'll fill your dish with and allow you to sup, as I can only imagine the Lord intends for you to sup. So, you get to pick your rice, you get to pick your beans, you get to pick your meat, you get to pick all these different things that you want in the burrito. Now, uh, if you're not getting a burrito, you're doing it wrong, but that's neither here nor there. So, you can go through a line and get your burrito at the end of the day and it's like this big. Or you can go through the line, same price, get your burrito and it's this big. Guess which one I prefer? The T-Rex one. Not T-Rex, because I don't think I'd be able to pick it at arms too short. But when we're, when we're blessed, we've got more than we need we're living abundantly, okay? Now, at the end of the day, it's the same thing. It's the meal. It's dinner, lunch, whatever it is. It's the meal. The meal is the meal. Now, you can have the meal at a bare minimum, substandard, just, I paid $8 for this. Or you can have the meal at, whew, this is what the blessed life is like. Faith promise blessing right here. And that's how we can go through our life. We can go through our life either scraping by, just barely fighting every single step of the way. Every day is a fight. Every day is a battle. Every time we come into the church, we've got to wrestle with ourselves because our emotions and our spirit want one thing, but our flesh and our, our pocketbook tell us we can't do those things because we haven't planned and we haven't prepared and we haven't made it who, who we are. And we can get through our day or we can choose to honor God as his word and says that however you give, it will be given back to you. Good measure, press down, shake together and running over. And when we look at this concept, this is from back in the days when you'd have like the uh, agrarian marketplaces and, and different things like spices and herbs and things would be, would be passed out to you. Now, if you've ever done any uh, baking or worked with any sort of um, kitchen ingredients, you'll realize there's a difference between like a heaping spoon and a leveled off spoon and a compacted spoon. A cup of flour can be like a cup that's, you know, just kind of loosely sifted and just scraped off the top and just, it fills up, it is a cup, right? Or you can fill the cup and you can kind of pat it down and you can knock it down and you can make sure that there's more in there than the cup. Now, it filled the same cup, but there was more in it. Or you can just, with reckless <laughs> abandon, just scoop that in and you've got just this mountain heaping over the top and that's, I guess, technically still a cup, now, when you're choosing how you would like God to bless your life, who wants to choose the bare minimum? Nobody? Huh, I didn't think so. Who wants to choose just enough? If we had a choice, 
who wouldn't want to choose God blessing us with, with it heaping over the top and maybe even spilling over the side and getting more than we bargained for, more than we deserved, more than we earned, but being able to say, this is the kind of God that I serve that will not leave me stranded, that will not give me just bare minimum, that will not just barely meet my needs, but that will give according to the way that I've given. And if I'm giving with an open hand, if I'm giving willingly, if I'm giving as part of who I am, as part of my lifestyle, as part of my DNA as a Christian is that I will not rob God in my tithing or in my offerings, then I can trust and believe in him that he will do what he says, like in Malachi, when he causes our, our uh, storehouses to burst open, we can't contain the blessings, when he causes the, the, my life to be reflected, pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall he meet with all. Everything that I do, he's going to meet above and beyond if I'm living willingly and giving willingly to the Lord. Amen? There's two different choices. You get to make the choice. I'm just here to tell you which one's better. And you can have faith that it's not just my opinion because we got scripture to back it up. So we're talking about uh, understanding how that all works. You can give at a bare minimum level or you can give at uh, uh, potentially less than minimum level, but it looks right. Or you can just give because God's calling us to give and we can give generously and watch as God blesses us back generously. How much we give is up to us. How much we sacrifice is up to us. Tithe, that's not up to us. That's 10% of our increase. That's settled. Offering is different. God puts this ball in our hands. He puts this ball in our court. He says, you need to give offering, but he doesn't tell us how much. But he does tell us that he will give to us the same way that we give. There's a word that wants to come out of my mouth, and it won't. So I'm just going to have to move on. But God is calling us to give. Remember, though, that our measurement of giving decides our measurement of blessing. Amen? All right. How much we give is up to us, but God is calling us to make sure that we are doing that giving. So how do we determine what we should give? Let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 through 8. This I say unto you, he which sows sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which sows bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man, according as he purposes in his heart, let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a what? Cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that you always, having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. So God is telling us that the way that we give reflects how he gives back to us, but he doesn't say that his blessing, put that last verse back up there, Brother George, if you would. He doesn't say that his blessing is just limited to our finances. He said he's able to make all grace abound towards you, that you always, having all sufficiency in all things, not just your finances, all things may abound to every good work. In other words, I will be more effective in a ministry for the Lord. I'll be more effective as a witness. I'll be more effective as a Christian. I'll be more effective as a husband, as a dad, as a laborer. I'll be more effective because the grace of God is over my life in every area. 
I'm not distorting scripture, I'm reading scripture. He says that if we are faithful to him, if we give to him, if we sow, not sparingly, but if we sow uh, generously, if we sow bountifully, we will reap bountifully and not just in the financial area. Now, I've kind of beat this horse to death about how God blesses us in the way that we're uh, kind of proportionate to how we give, but that should never be our motivating factor, like, oh, I really need a, I really need a big blessing, so I'm going uh, to give a, an extra offering today. Normally, I put a dollar in the plate, but I really need a blessing, so I'm going to up it to five and see what happens. Come on, Lord, do your thing, <laughs> right? <laughs> well, I really can't afford this, but God, I'm, I'm going to see how big you can bless. Who are we trying to please here? God or ourselves? So our motivation should not be the blessing. The blessing is uh, an added benefit, an added blessing. Weird. Uh, all right. So whatever we plant is what we'll reap. That should help us determine our level of giving. You can't sow pennies into the offering plate and expect millions in the bank. Doesn't work that way. Just like you can't plant apple seeds and expect a banana tree. It's not going to happen. Okay? We have, what we have in our heart will help us determine our level of giving. And what attitude that we have will help us determine our level of giving. There's a key word here that we need to uh, understand, and it's simply this. Contentment. If we learn contentment in this life... It makes this a whole lot easier. Explain that to me. Well, contentment means I'm happy, I'm satisfied with what I have. I'm not constantly chasing more. I don't constantly have to have better. I don't have to constantly outdo the Joneses. Not just keep up with the Joneses, but outdo the Joneses. If somebody gets a new car, I don't have to run out and buy a bigger, brighter, shinier, nicer car. If somebody walks in with a new suit, I don't have to run down the hall and, and change into my brand new suit. If somebody gets a blessing at work, I don't have to quit my job to go somewhere with a bigger signing bonus so that I can say that I got the bigger blessing, right? Contentment means that I'm good with whatever God chooses to give me. I'm okay with that. I'm not constantly chasing. I'm not constantly striving. I'm not constantly after more and more and more and more and more and better, right? Right, so contentment helps us with this because contentment lets me say that if I give faithfully to this offering and I give to that thing and I give to the other thing and I give to faith a promise and I give to this missionary and I give to, to uh, Pastor Barkison and I give to Pastor Kent and I give to all these things to try and help people out, I can give to all these things and you know what? I might not be able to buy a new car, but I'm good with what I've got. Contentment makes sacrifice a lot easier. Because contentment changes your mentality on what sacrifice really is. If your whole entire world, if your, uh, if your identity, if your self-worth is wrapped up in having the biggest, the brightest, the best, and the newest, then sacrifice is a lot harder for you. Because your biggest and brightest and best and newest might have to be brought down a notch. And if that, that's your, the entirety of who you are, well, you're destroying your life 
so that you can just meet the bare minimum of what God is asking you to do. That's an uncomfortable place to be. But if you've got a heart that's content with where you're at, if you're content to have God meet your needs, if you're content to be able to say, I've got what I've got and, I'm an, and that's enough for me, then your sacrifice looks a whole lot different. And your sacrifice is still sacrifice, but it might not hurt as bad. Does that make sense? All right. All right, so we give based off of a desire to please God, not based off of a desire to receive from him. And our faith that God is able to keep his promises. We give with faith that he is able to complete his promises, which we've got lots of promises, right? Uh, if we sow sparingly, we reap sparingly. If we reap bountifully, or sow bountifully, we reap bountifully. Um, he'll protect us. He'll cover us, right? He'll uh, let us abound in all things. Our storehouses will not be able to contain the blessings. He's faithful to all these different things. But we've got to understand that, that that place of contentment is what helps us. Paul said it this way in Philippians 4, not that I speak in respect of want, for I've learned in whatsoever state that I am therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things, I'm instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. And I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. Now, we've heard that a lot. We've quoted that a lot. But when we read it in context, it means a little bit more. Paul says that this promise that we all like to stand on and shout about, I can do all things with Christ, give me strength. The root of this promise, where this promise comes from, is Paul saying, I've learned to be content in all things. And because of that, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. That doesn't just mean that I succeed in everything that I try. I have the nicest things, I have the biggest house, and I have the shiniest car. That doesn't mean that. Oh, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Sign me up for that brand new 2024 Dodge. I mean, I sold my other truck. I could use a new truck. Sign me up for that one because I can do all things. You can't afford that. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. That's distorting scripture. Specifically because this promise, this claim, this staking our claim in the word of God is rooted in the fact that I can, Paul says, I've learned to be content in whatsoever thing that I have so that if God calls me to be poor, I can be poor. If God calls me to live in abundance, I can live in abundance. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. You ruined my wall poster with that. <laughs> well, sorry to ruin your wall poster, but that's what the word of God is telling us. God is calling us to do what he calls us to do, and if we've got contentment in our heart, we're better prepared to be able to do that. Uh, Paul said to Timothy in 1 Timothy 6.6, 6, but godliness with contentment is great gain, right? So we've got contentment. We need to understand that that's what, uh, what drives us, what will help us. All right. Um, yes, you did just watch me skip three pages worth of notes because I do see the clock. Our offerings should be, uh, while we don't have a number on them, and while I don't have a percentage to give you for offerings, I do have this. Our offerings should be proportionable, proportional to what God has given us. Amen? Now, God didn't call out the, the widow, right, that, that gave 
her last two mites in the offering. She came in humbly and just laid the last two mites in there. He didn't call her out and be like, that's all you got, lady? No, he said, she's more blessed than this other guy who made a big show and made all this. Why? Because her sacrifice was more. She was, she was giving more proportionally to what she had. God is calling us to give proportionally, okay? I don't have a $10 million net worth like Sister Becky does, so I might not be able to, give, I might not be able to, to, to give the same dollar value, but God's not calling me to match everyone else's dollar values. We would, he wouldn't tell us to be content and not try and keep up with the Joneses, so to say, in the flesh life, and then expect us to do that in the spirit realm. That wouldn't make any sense. He's calling us to be stewards, which means that we still need to be responsible. Now, I might love your heart if you dedicate your entire income to the work of God, but if you're not paying your bills to do that, that's just irresponsible. I'm not going to expect that you're going to keep your house very long if you're not paying for it, right? So we're called to steward but we need to be responsible. So our offering is proportionate to what God has blessed us with. And we don't need to feel the pressure of someone else's offering. We need to feel the, the, the power of what God is calling us to do and trust in his word that says, if I'm faithful to him, he's faithful to me. Amen? Amen. Let's stand as we come to a close here. There's a lot of different things in this world and in this life that are calling for our finances, that are calling for our money. And a lot of those things are absolutely necessary. You can't drive anywhere without putting gas in the car, right? We've got bills. We've got expenses. We've got things that come up. There's a lot of things, though, that we just throw our money at that might not be that necessary. And the Bible reminds us that where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. You want to draw closer to God? Start putting your treasure in God because that's where my heart follows my money. My heart follows my money. We want to live generously. We want to understand the mindset behind it, the mentality behind it. It's realizing that I'm just a steward and I'm going to serve God with an open hand in my finances, in my life, with my time, with my talents, with my treasure. Whatever God has decided to bless me with, I want to have an open hand to be ready to give it back to him at a moment's notice. Not Thank you for listening to our podcast this week. We hope you enjoyed this message. 
Remember, if you would like to find out more information about our church or to contact us, please go online at connectpointupc.com. And also, don't forget to subscribe in your podcast app so you will be automatically notified of new episodes. Thank you, and we hope you have a great week. Thank you.